You don't know what kind of cameras they shot on, do you? I didn't really pay attention to that. It was all set up when I got there, so <laughs> I just stayed out of the way. Oh, okay. Hung out at craft services all day. <laughs> <laughs> As you do? Yes. Had Peruvian food for the first time. Ooh. Yeah. It was like Mexican, but without flavor. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I had a I I, I did something this week that um, I've been looking forward to for like ten years. Really? Yeah. What's that? I paid off my credit card. Oh, you you said you were going to do that. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. So um, I was thinking about it and all of the the work that I did over the past year as a freelancer. Um, while I was looking for a new job, um, gave me the clarity to be like, why am I paying extra money to these people when I could just pay it all off? Mm -hmm. So I paid it off and, um, it was quite a chunk of change. I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what it was, but it was, it was a, a decent size amount. And okay. so I was all happy. And then I get an email from the credit card company that, uh, my statement is ready. And I was okay. like, what statement? Like, why do I have a statement? So I get on and there is a balance of $121 for interest that they charged me four days after I paid the credit card off. Okay. So it's eight o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I know I'm not going to get an English speaking guy, but I'm going to call anyway. And so it's guy with a heaven, uh, a, a heavy Indian accent. And, you know, he gets on his, he says his name is like Brian or something. And how can I, how, how can he help me? So I said, look, I just paid off my credit card. It was a ton of money. Why am I getting charged interest? And he said, well, let me look at your account. And so he goes, okay, I see. He goes, well, let me see if I can take that interest away. Okay. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you put me on hold. Why would I be charged interest four days after paying it off? Well, I'm not sure why. Okay. So what I want you to do is go and get rid of that interest. <laughs> and if you can't just hook me up to somebody above you, don't come back. Don't apologize. Don't be like, well, I can't do it because you can, because I don't owe you any more money. I have paid you in full. This was four days later. Whatever you're going to do, just get rid of the, th just get rid of the interest. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, then hook me up to somebody who can. And he goes, well, let me check. I said, no, there's no checking. So I was feeling salt, like salty because I'm in a position where I don't really care anymore. So I said to him, look, 
if you can't, then you need to come back and we need to start the process of closing my card out. And he goes, well, I don't think we should take it that far. I said, oh, no, we should, because I don't owe you any money. And so he he goes, well, let me let me put you on hold. And it was it was like 10 minutes. It wasn't just like he, he went and talked to somebody like he disappeared for a little while. And he finally came back and he was like, I'm able to take that off for you. I said, I know you are because I don't owe you any money. <laughs> And so I was talking to my friend who, when he bought his house, um, he had, he had sold a house and then bought one before like the big boom and the money that they made off of their house, they paid off their credit card. And the same exact thing happened. All of a sudden there was a balance of interest. And so what they try to do is that they try to sneak in one last interest payment and you think it's zero. So right. you don't ever go back in. So now not only do you have an interest, but you have a late charge on top of that. So that they're trying to, to, to snag you into more money. And I was just like, no, uh, uh-uh. so it was well, good. I mean, you got it taken care of. Yeah, it, it was, it was good. Like it just, it sucks that you have to do that. It sucks that you have to sit there and be like, right. Like that you have to call and then, then be like, well, I don't know if I can do anything. Well, yeah, you can. Don't don't take no for an answer. And when they say like, you know, I'll see. No, uh, uh-uh. I paid you a shit ton of money. What are you seeing? The balance is zero. So what are you charging me for? Right. And he can't he can't answer. He doesn't he doesn't know. So it's just like right. Then, then hook me up to somebody else. I'm not mad at him for doing his job. I'm mad at the credit card company for trying to fuck me over. I won't yell at him. I'll yell at his superior. You know, that kind of shit. So. Well, that's good. You're taking pity on on this guy who's, you know. Well, it's like it's like these assholes that yell at fast food workers. Right. You know, it's not their fault. They're just they're doing what they're doing. At least they showed up for work. There's a ton of fast food people that have quit and have left these people shorthanded and to yell at the people that are actually serving you is stupid. Be mad at the company, not at these people. I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. I mean, there was something on Facebook here in Goose Creek yesterday that one of the McDonald's didn't have hamburgers. And so like they were yelling at the people that were there and it's like, why are you yelling at them? They didn't, like make the truck not show up or, you know, whatever. Right. Some high school kid that's making 10 bucks an hour, like leave him alone. Call McDonald's corporate and yell at him. Right. But you know, this is South Carolina where, you know, if you don't, (laughs) if, if you don't believe that, you know, Republicans are King here, then you're, you, you were useless as an individual. Right. So, you know, but anyway, I finally crawled out from under that heap of debt after 10 years. Well, good for you. So, yeah, I feel pretty good. Yeah. When I did that a few years ago, it was a big weight off my shoulders. Yeah. And it's like it's it it was weird because we we recently switched our phones over to Mint Mobile, which is the Ryan Reynolds company. Yeah. And. Um, we ended up buying new phones and instead of leasing them, I just, I just bought them outright. 
Right. And it's, it's very weird at like the day that I pay all the bills to not have a phone bill anymore. And I'm sure when, when it comes up this time and I don't have a, a, a credit card bill to pay, it's, it's going to be the same thing. Hmm. But I also hear, and I don't know, I have to do more research on this, is that they, they tell you that you should be putting something on your credit card and paying it off in full. Yes. So yes. I'll, I'll have to look into like what bill I can do that with. Because I that just happened to me with two credit cards that I haven't used in, well, I guess it's almost a year. Yeah. So like I put groceries on one that I normally would have put my debit card on and I paid some, I got something else on the other one just to make sure it's active. Yeah. But I mean, anytime I charge something like I charged my vacation last month. Yeah. But I came back and I paid it off. Right. Yeah. And that's what they're saying. That's I, I keep reading stuff like that. So I'm going to have to like. There's a there's a our sewer bill is the same amount every month. So I may just charge that to the credit card and then pay it off. Hmm. Just so that there's something constantly hitting it. Because I, I honestly I hadn't used it in over a year once once the pandemic hit i was like well i'm not using the credit card unless i absolutely need to and i was able to pay a bunch down on that so that's what that's what gave me the idea of like why don't i just pay this whole thing off so right yeah credit yeah weird. i mean it's a scam it credit sucks yeah credit didn't exist until like the 1970s <laughs> honestly yeah, and now honestly, it's, it's... because up until that time, you would live with your in-laws, or your parents, once you got married, and save up money so you could pay for a house. Right. And then they came up with this thing called credit. Yeah. And now it's destroying people's lives. Yes, it is. It's all a goddamn scam. <laughs> uh... Yeah. So we had an interesting bit of news this past few days coming out of a film set. Yeah, I was going to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure everybody's heard who's interested in like movies and pop culture and stuff. But there was an accident on a film set that was very reminiscent of an accident that happened in the, what was it, the early 90s? Um where a yeah a prop gun that was mishandled was handed to an actor who ended up pulling the trigger and killing somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, this actor just happened to be Alec Baldwin, who is in a, I, I think it's a movie, right? It's not a TV show. I think it's a movie. It's it's a it's a very low budget movie. It's only got a budget of seven million dollars. Yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that are calling for removal of real guns on sets. Um, yep. And a lot of times speaking as somebody who's done visual effects, a lot of times they opt for blank firing guns on sets because one, it saves in post-production money. You don't have to pay Mm -hmm. somebody to put in muzzle flashes and smoke. Right. And the other thing is that when you have an actor who pulls a trigger on a dummy gun, they don't react to the gun. When you have a blank firing gun, you have a bit of recoil and an actual like 
reaction to when you fire the gun. And this is Mm -hmm. an old West movie to where I, I, my, my assumption is because it was such a low budget thing, they went the way of the, the real guns just simply because it was going to save them some money in the end. Right. Um, apparently the armor on the, the movie they just said had, has had a troubled past. Um, her, well, the assistant director well, had a troubled past. The armorer wasn't sure she was qualified for the job. Right. Well, because in her last movie, she handed an unchecked um, gun to an 11 year old. So it sounds like they did everything they could to cut costs with this. There are reports that the day of the accident, they sent the um, the union crew home to well some of them walked off the job well the the camera people did yeah but there was a union crew that was on the film that the producers basically said get off you're done for the day and they threatened like legal action if they didn't leave and they brought in a non-union crew to finish the day Hmm. The camera people said, this is unsafe. We need to leave. And they walked off and then they handed Alec Baldwin a gun that was mis misloaded or had had a stronger blank in it than normal and ended up killing the cinematographer and wounding the director. So, I mean, it's it's an absolute tragedy. Nobody deserves to die over a movie. Um, and I know a lot of people are calling for Alec Baldwin to be punished for this, but it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Even, even as a producer on the film, like if you want to make, give him responsibility in that role, that's one thing, but he didn't set out to kill this woman. He, Oh yeah, definitely. He didn't, he didn't pull the trigger knowing that it would go off and kill this woman. And to, to be like, he needs to go to jail is a little harsh he's got to live with this for the rest of his life. Oh yeah. And with his past trouble in the media and I'm sure that it, like, I I don't know if you saw the pictures of him like bent over after the news conference, but like you can tell it's fucking him up. Oh yeah. So as it would anybody, I mean, you, you just killed somebody on accident. It's not like, you know, so Hollywood is definitely knee jerking to this. Um, Some of it appropriately, some of it inappropriately. Like, you know, I see a lot of uneducated people talking about like it takes, it costs 50 cents per, per um, uh, muzzle flash to put it in, in CG. Well, if it's been contracted to do that, it's not always necessarily contracted as a visual effect. Right. And you know, the fix it and post attitude as an editor and as somebody who's done visual effects pisses me off because if you can get it in camera, get it in camera. Right. But you know, it's again, it's a tragedy. It shouldn't have happened, but you know, it's a damn shame. It is. It is. Um, that previous incident that you mentioned 
um, really hit home for me. That mm-hmm. you're talking about Brandon Lee on the Crow. Yep. Um, because I went to school with Brandon Lee. Yep. And um, it it should not have happened. No, and pure it's pure and simple. Should not have happened. On the Crow, it was they were they were behind schedule, and they had sent somebody home that was supposed to check the guns and they were trying to get one last shot for the night and they, they did an insert shot where the, the bullet casing, it was an insert shot for the bullet casing coming out, which Mm -hmm. left the wad of paper lodged in the gun. And then they took it out. They didn't clean it and they put in the round to do the muzzle flash. And the poor guy aimed it at Brandon Lee and pulled the trigger and shot him. Yep. So, yeah, you went to school with him. I remember talking with you about him when we worked together. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it was right before his wedding. Yeah. Yeah, It It was, it was, it was at the very tail of that shoot too. They they yeah. were they were rushing to finish, and that's what happens when you rush. Mm-hmm. That is happens all the time. I mean, now granted, when you look at firearm safety on sets, that was the last time that you could point to that and say this happened as an accident. Well, no, there was one before that. One, uh, John Eric Hexum, who was in. Uh, Voyagers? Yeah. Yep. But he put a loaded prop gun to his head. Yeah. And pulled the trigger as a joke. And it's like, dude, you understand there is still force yeah. coming out of that gun yep. at close range. Yeah, you but put yeah. that up to your temple and you're done. Mm-hmm. But it but there hasn't been one since Brandon Lee. Like no. So 1990, what was it? 1991? Something like that. So, I mean, yes, it's a tragedy, but when you look at gun safety on sets, as long as you have qualified people, like it's, it's pretty safe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had two instances where I've handled firearms for productions and, you know, there are things that you, you were, trained in from the get-go i mean it's you know you never point a gun at anything you don't want to destroy right doesn't mean if it's loaded with blanks doesn't mean you know you just don't right you you as a filmmaker you can cheat it so that you don't see somebody um actually pointing the gun at somebody and if it if they are if if you do see them pointing at somebody normally it's either it's not a real gun they'll use like a stunt pistol or something that they can't load. Right. Right. I mean, the guns I handled had been, well, one was a shotgun, double barrel, regular shotgun that I had to make the rounds for. Wow. And then, um, the other one was a, 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 a handgun in a stunt show. And I remember that I had one handoff where the actor would do a high fall and come running out of out of uh you know the scenery with a gun and i would always 
check the barrel before I handed it to someone. And this one time, this this new young stuntman made some comment about it. And I said, you know, I just want to make sure you're, sell, you're safe. Right. And then I told him the Brandon Lee story. And it's like, you know, freaky things happen. Right. So I'm going to make sure that it's it's as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even even in my 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 first job at Disney, I handled guns. Okay. And we were taught how to, you know, you you don't point them at someone, you don't um you make sure that it's clean at the top of your shift, you clean it at the end of your shift. Yep. All these safety precautions. Yep. And to see, you know, anyone get killed by carelessness is just not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, my first gig, one of my first gigs out of college was I worked at Six Flags Great Adventure at the Lethal Weapon Water Show. Mm-hmm. And there were six or seven guns that looked like AK-47s. Right. Um, there, Murtaugh had a gun, Riggs had a gun. Um, and it all, the first like two months of rehearsals was nothing but gun safety because not only did you have one gun, you had several on the set and like every bad guy had one. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, learning how like you don't put your finger on the trigger unless you are going to actually squeeze that trigger. Right. And like seeing, seeing like trigger safety and like stuff in TV shows where it's like, no, you shouldn't be walking around with it like that. So yeah, and and a lot of people don't ever have to work with firearms, so they don't know what the deals are, a lot of the time. Right. But yeah, it's a it's a damn shame. Scary stuff. Yeah, and I'm Scary sure stuff. I'm sure they're going to unfortunately use this as you know a banner of like with with all the IOTSI stuff that's going on right now in Hollywood. Um, I just don't want to see them use this poor woman's death as like a soapbox. No, but the, uh, the production company that films the rookie with Nathan Fillion has said they have banded live guns from the set. I mean, I guess that's good for visual effects artists that specialize in muzzle flashes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as long as as long as the production's willing to pay for that time and that work, um, I'm sure Nathan Fillion has handled enough guns in his day to actually react to a gun the way it's supposed to. Um, right. But yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of sad. That's very sad. Yes, definitely. So what's some good news from this week? I don't know. I was going to talk about Peter Scolari dying, but that's not really good news. Oh yeah, that's sad too. Yeah, he was so much for the the Bosom Buddies remake. Yeah, he was only like sixty six or something. Yep. And uh, fucking cancer, man. Yeah. Like, and he was still acting. Yeah. You know, he was he was on Gotham. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of actors, and I don't know if it's just because they have shitty healthcare or what, but like, it seems like a lot of actors with cancer will go until they just cannot like stand anymore. Yeah. Because there's you know there's all those stories about um um what's his name Chadwick Boseman like acting right up to the end and like yeah. Peter Scolari and Norm MacDonald and all these people that are, have cancer. Um, but you know, I was watching something interesting. Um, it was a, it was a couple of years old and it was a clip of um, Ian McKellen on the Alan Carr show in England. Okay. And the Hobbit was just coming out so that they were talking about that. And he was talking about the fact that he has prostate cancer and okay. that he's had it for like nine years. He doesn't really think about it because he caught it early enough. And if you catch it early enough, then you don't have to, but like I never in a million years would have thought that with the way he's like as active as he is that like, here's a dude with cancer, mm. but I guess you can't let it control you. You just got to keep going, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of sad, too. Colin Powell died this week. Like, there was a lot of bad news this week. Steve Bannon's going to jail. Oh, we can only hope. You got to dig him out of his hole first. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen next. You're going to be told that he's, you know, they can't find him. It's like that senator who was hiding from being served. Yeah. Yep. Scary stuff. So, yeah. There's also an interesting article I just came across from a few years ago about Christopher Lee. Okay. Apparently, Christopher Lee always hinted that he was in the the uh the british sas special air services during yes um world war one and two mm-hmm. however he wasn't oh really yes he never said exactly what he did he said you know i think in, in a 2011 interview he said let's just say i was in special forces and leave it at that people can read into that what they like huh okay um, but he, he, he had worked as a, um, a consultant or something for the RAF at one point. Okay. Or a couple of different times. Right. But he, yeah, he just let people believe he was a war hero. That's interesting because there's, there's stories that Peter Jackson tells, um, uh-huh. that when they were shooting, um, um, Suriman's death and return of the King that Peter Jackson was like, all right, so you're going to lay down it's going to be sticking out of you. And, and these are the sounds that I want you to make. And he was like, that's not the sounds that somebody who has gotten impaled through the back makes. And he Mm -hmm. was like, what do you mean? He's like, just understand that I know intimately what that sound is. And so like Peter Jackson just, walked away and has said in things, well, you know, he was in the SAS. So that's interesting. Yeah. Huh? Yep. 
he, he went on to say, we are forbidden, former, present, or future, to discuss any specific operations. So who came out and, like, said that he didn't do it? Uh, this came out after his death in a magazine called The Spectator. Okay. Just a weird story. It's like, why would somebody with as much fame as him have to lie about that? Do you think it just adds to, like, the, the mystique of him? I guess... Hmm. I don't know. It's very weird. Here's something from the Daily Mail. How film legend Christopher Lee made up his heroic war record. He claimed to be an SAS veteran and Nazi hunter, but the stories don't add up. Yeah. I mean, even his daughter didn't know. His daughter just said, you know, he, he was just really private about that. Like, yeah, because it didn't happen. Well, so, yeah, but a lot of times, like, like I know of people, um, my father was on an aircraft carrier when he was in the Navy, and um, after he started attending reunions and introduced me to a guy named Ken who's had a, who had a kid who was an astronaut. Right. And he happened to be the pilot on one of the space shuttle missions that a lot of people say is proof that UFOs exist. Okay. And so I was talking to Ken one day and I said, you know, I'd love to ask you, your son about that since he was, uh, he was the pilot for that. And he said, I can save you the trouble. I've already asked. And I said, what did he say? And he goes, he refused to tell me anything about it. Mm. So it does happen where there are people that are sworn to secrecy for stuff that do not divulge shit that they've done. Right. So I can, I can understand if, if he was like an, a real SAS operative where he was just like, I can't even tell my own kids, but if they're now saying it's not true, that's, that's weird. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Crazy stuff. He was attached to the SAS and SOE as an RAF liaison officer at various times, but did not serve in them. Yeah, but I wonder if he was forced to do shit that like liaisons not are not supposed to do. We shall never know. No, and that's the weird part. You know, unless somebody with the SAS, you know, if records are suddenly released, I don't know if they have a freedom of information. Information Act in the UK. Probably not. But um, yeah, you'll never know. Yep. At the outbreak of the war in September of 1939, 17-year-old Lee was working as a clerk in a shipping firm in London, earning one pound per week, the equivalent of $250 today, or 250 pounds. And then he joined the military. He joined the army. Or he tried to he okay he tried to join the army but ter- was turned down because he was a liar. Lee stated in his autobiography that along with a few other recent schoolboys, he journeyed all the way to Finland to volunteer in the Finns' war against the Soviet Union. 
wow, that's like young Indiana Jones fighting the Mexican War. <laughs> so that was in his autobiography. But then in an interview, he said, we went with a group of friends and said we wanted to help and we we could shoot pretty well, but couldn't ski. We were thanked for our help, but didn't, of course, get anywhere close to the border. So he's even contradicting his own stories. Yeah. Well, that's so, what happens. You forget who who you've told who you've what story to. to. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there are things I've done that I can't talk about. <laughs> just, just saying, you know, don't even ask me. Okay. It's top secret. I'd Sealed have to kill you. forever. That's right. That's right. I'll just give you two words. Bin Laden. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. You were part of SEAL Team 6? I was SEAL Team 5. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. We had that day off. <laughs> <laughs> so so this says men likely have big egos and they want to be stars. They find it frustrating when their wartime achievements are not suitable, st- suitably stellar. And as a result, they start hinting that they might have been bigger. Okay. So it was all for his career. There you go. You know, killing Nazis is what got him to be Dracula. Yes. Because I heard he used to drive stakes through their hearts. <laughs> he was the inglorious bastard. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You learn something new every day. That's right. We've done our job. We have educated people. Sure. So have you watched anything interesting this week? Um, I just watched the new Dune movie. Oh, what did you think? It's really weird that it's only half of the story. Yeah. Like, did did you see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Did you go to a theater? No. Or did you do it on? Yeah. Okay. I, I watched. I I watched it on HBO Max. Okay. Um, it's a really long saga. Right. So I think that was probably the problem with the first version of it that David Lynch directed was that they tried to fit it all into one movie. Well, and the the problem with the David Lynch one is there's so much whispering and so much inner monologue that you're really just left with like you're bored at most of it. Well, that's kind of the book. (laughs) And, and look this, I will say that, that this movie is, is head and shoulders above the David Lynch one in watchability. Um, but, um, Villeneuve's track record with films is he tends to take on topics that like Blade Runner 2049 that has a very limited audience. And I understand the movie did pretty well for the weekend. Um, but it's ballsy to put out a film that does not resolve the story at all without knowing whether or not you're going to get to make part two. Yeah. I mean, Zendaya 
is one of the main focal points of this movie as far as like whenever there are pictures of the cast, she's front and center. Right. Her and Paul, the the main character, don't meet face to face until ten minutes before the end of the film. Okay. And she's in she's in other parts of the movie in like dreams that Paul's having. But it's like I don't know. It's it's a weird like it's it's a weird idea to to not know whether or not you're going to get to finish your story and not make it so at least it's a standalone story. You know, it's it's like it's like if George Lucas had had ended Star Wars with them escaping the Death Star um and Obi-Wan dying. And you're like, "Wait, what what about Darth Vader? What about Death Star? What's it, it felt like that to me. Okay. It just felt unfinished. Yes. It's, it's very unfinished and it's, you know, it, there's a, there's a, when you start the movie, it's, it's like Dune and under it, it says part one and it's mm-hmm. like, but you haven't, you haven't been greenlit for a sequel yet. Right. And one of the big things that he bitched about, uh, um, Villeneuve bitched about was that like, when HBO, they, they said, oh, it's going to be on HBO Max on the same day. He was like, you might as well just like kill the project. Don't even release it because I'm never going to get to make the part two. And it's like, well, if you knew that going in, like that's an awful big gamble that a retelling of a movie that not a lot of people can sit through was going to be strong enough to, to carry you to a part two. And I don't know what that answer is other than like, I know he wanted to be faithful to the books, but it's, it's an awful dry subject matter to try to squeeze into those two books or into two movies. Yeah. I mean, the, the books are almost as hard to read as Lord of the Rings. Right. And there's so many characters and so many worlds and so many plot lines going on that it's it can be very confused it can be a very daunting task to to get through the books i i can imagine and when you look at the cast it's got an amazing cast in it but oh yeah but like the baron is only in it for maybe four minutes out of a two and a half minute runtime or two and a half hour runtime hmm. um you've got um Jason Momoa is in it for maybe seven minutes of screen time. Is he Gurney Halleck? No, he is um, um, Idaho. Oh, Duncan Idaho. Duncan okay. Idaho. The, the guy who trains him to fight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. it It's an incredibly long movie where there's not a lot of screen time for people. It's very, it's, it's very weird. There's a lot of like sweeping shots of the desert and, you know, these, these visual effects shots of landscapes. And it's like, well, you could have probably trimmed some of this down. Yeah. To like, you could get the same impact with a shorter film. Like it could have been two hours and I don't think you would have lost anything. Hmm. Okay. Um, but I, I don't agree with the whole marketing thing of like, you have to see this in a movie theater. 
like there was nothing I'm sure some of the battles looked kind of cool but they look just as good on my TV and you know when directors are always like you've got to see it in a theater it's always it, that always like rubs me the wrong way because 90% of the time that I'm going to watch the, your film is going to be at home and if you can't make it for a good experience in both the theater and home then there's a problem and this is one of those things that like who if they greenlit Dune 2 today you're not seeing it for another 2 to 3 years and they didn't they didn't shoot anything for the sequel they didn't like do a back to back shooting or nothing they just said we're going to focus on the first book or the first part of the book and so now it's like the rewatchability for this is like nothing because you can't get the resolution that you're looking for. Hmm. So I don't know. Well, how did you feel about Deathly Hollows being split into two films? Do you feel that book warranted it? I had this, I actually had this conversation with my daughter who was asking me about like, why did they split it? And it's such a big book. Um, I will, I will tell you that Deathly Hallows part one is not fun to watch. It's no. it's long and it's drawn out and it's boring. It's them camping it's a, a whole lot bunch. of, yeah, there's lots of exposition to get you to the second movie. And the second movie is nothing but action. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like they really wanted to, to build the tension for part two. But I don't think it needed to be if they're going to cut out all the other stuff that is not important in the Harry Potter books in order to um, translate it to a movie. They could have really trimmed down and made a three hour film instead of two, two and a half hour films. That's just, that's just my opinion. But uh, there's also a lot of people who love the books that say that the movies are not canon. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting dilemma, but also with, with Lord, of, with not Lord of the Rings, with Harry Potter, you knew that the second Deathly Hallows was coming out in a year. And yeah. that, that even though that they left you hanging with the death of Dobby and you were like, oh, that's really right. fucking sad. Spoilers if you haven't seen a 10 year old movie or whatever it is. Um, at the end of the day, you knew that those answers were coming within a year. OK. Same thing with like. um, um Not Civil War. Um, Infinity War. You're left there. You that's the end of a movie where they're at the lowest point. They've lost a bunch of people. You have no clue what's going to happen in the future and it ends and you're like, wow, this sucks, but at least I only have to wait 10 months as for Dune. It's like, well, I'd really like to see where this goes from here, but now you're going to have to wait three years to find out. Mm, yeah. <laughs> quite the conundrum yeah interesting but you know what's going to be back soon what 
only murders in the building. Yes. They they start filming in a few weeks already. Yeah. That's fast. Well, who knows how that's long fast. they were sitting on the first season. Yeah, that's true. But that's true. So so we often talk about ends of seasons and end of um end of of series and i feel like as far as season finales go this is probably one of the better ones that i've ever seen i really enjoyed the way that everything gets tied together the 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 comedic genius of steve martin where he gets poisoned and he's flopping around (laughs) in the elevator uh huh. And they don't like him, so they like the people who get in the elevator just ignore him. Right. And then, like, um, um, Selena Gomez and um, Martin Short find him, and then they stick him on like the luggage cart. Mm-hmm. And there's that shot where they come around the corner, and he's just like tied to it. Yeah. And he's got he's like drooling and stuff. Like, it's just a brilliant TV show. Yeah. And I even liked where like he jumps up and he's screaming at the woman uh-huh. and then they cut back and he's sitting there and he's still tied up and he it's all in his head. Right. And he's like, they're like, what is he saying? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just really, really well done. And we had talked last week about like, where do you go from there? Like, how do you do a season two? Well, I mean, they set it up and really it, well. It, they, they were like, okay, we well, don't have to worry about that because we've got that covered for you. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, very well done. I I almost wanted a little more of Jan before she confessed to everything. Okay. I think it would have been interesting if there was like another scene where, um, she wasn't as calculating as she was on the couch with Steve Martin over the drinks and you know I mean the whole thing was so matter of fact it's like oh so she's just totally owning up to this okay let's go (laughs) buckle up yeah yeah that I mean I that actress did an amazing job yeah and and like the whole setup of like you're seeing there, when you look back at it and you start seeing the little things that they set up along the way mm-hmm. where was it like episode three or four where they go back into the dude's um, apartment and they find what they call the box of sex toys. Yep. And it turns out that it's a, it's a bassoon cleaner. Yep. But they don't ever tell you that until like the second to last episode where all, mm-hmm. everything all of a sudden starts to click. Right. Like, it's incredibly set up in a way to where like they're, they're introducing and they're, they're paying off all these little tiny things that you're not even thinking about. Yeah. And they do the whole thing. They, they do the whole like red herring with, um, with Nathan Lane and his son. And -hmm. you're like, all right, finally. Yes. Okay. So the guy who committed the murder is the guy that is, is uh, paying for the podcast. And then they're like, but no, it's not. Right. Like now you have to figure out all of a sudden again, like, okay, now what do we do? Like it just, it just superbly done for, for like a, like a comedy 
show. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty rad. I mean, that whole sequence after Steve Martin's been poisoned is just genius. <laughs> it's just genius. I mean, the, the elevator door closing on his head, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was great. I thought Selena Gomez looked a little weird. She looked a little puffy in the last one. Yeah, and rumor has it she was trying to get the episode reshot because she had had bad Botox. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, it's rumor. Gossip. How, wait a minute. How old is she? She's not 30. And she's getting Botox? Yeah. Okay, that's weird. Uh, Yeah, she's 29. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I noticed I noticed she definitely looked puffier and I was like, huh, I wonder what was going on there. But she's also she also has a disease too, doesn't she? She got lupus or something? Uh, yeah, I think she's got lupus. So you know, it's one of those things of like, um maybe Yeah, she's got lupus. Yep. Um you know, maybe that was, it was just affecting her and like, what are you going to do? But if it's Botox and Jesus. Yeah. It's like wearing a mask. You got to wear the mask. Got to get your Botox. <laughs> paralyze your, paralyze your, your face with, with poison. There you go. Very bizarre. Uh, I finally finished Titans season three. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Is that a good that, wow? It was a good wow. Okay. But the ending of the second to last episode was the second to last, third to last, where where uh They take out Nightwing? Robin gets yeah, gets beaten up in the street. Yeah. <laughs> Left for dead. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I I still do not like the actor who played Red Hood. Yeah, he's he, he. I don't know. He's too pretty. Maybe that's what it is. So when I think of Red Hood, I think of the 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 game um, Arkham Knight, and where it's it's a older Jason Todd. I feel like when they introduced this dude in season one, he was meant to be like late teens so he's got like a higher pitch voice yeah and like that is red hood where he's running around without the hood on and he's screaming at people and it's like why would i take you seriously right like it's it, it's a weird thing to pull off like it, it, it's well and he plays it like a spoiled brat the whole time yeah so it's like you're you're not very likable and i know that you know he was a, a, a sacrifice in the Batman universe. Right. You know, he, he didn't have a long life and, but yeah, I, the actor just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. He just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely know what you mean. There's something about him that like doesn't fit the character. Yeah. Yeah interesting to see where they're going to go with Tim Drake. I, so I was expecting, um, 
there's that scene at the end when they're standing at the plane and uh, Dick Grayson pulls up in the RV. Right. Where Tim Drake turned around and he was like, well, I'm going to let them go. I was expecting Bruce to be at the airport. Okay. And I was expecting like, like him to come up after, after they like rode away and be like, I understand that you want to be Robin and like set up a future thing where, um, you know, he's now become the new Robin in the wake of Tim or in the wake of Jason Todd going away. But to have him go along to Titan Tower, I was like, what, yeah. where are we going with that? So, yeah. I don't think... Does Tim Drake ever become a different character? Or is he always Robin? Robin? I thought he was always Robin. Tim Drake. Um... Yeah, so like if they were going to fast track him into a different identity or something with the way that that this universe is set up, like the cops know who Batman is. The, right. The cops have been in the Batcave. Like I don't understand who they think is like But will the cops remember they were in the Batcave? Or are we going to be told that, you know, the the uh, the purple rain has washed out their memories and Oh man, that's that's an awful know, big ask, but Maybe I, I can't see them letting them get away with revealing the Batcave. But I mean, everybody knows. Well, okay. Argus, since we found out that I don't know if she's supposed to be Amanda Waller or not, but whoever the, the black chick is, that's in the GCPD that they, that you find out is Argus. Um, oh, what's her name? B V V or something. Yeah. Like, like all of a sudden, like she knows that, that, uh, Dick Grayson is Nightwing and that he's part of the Titans. And like most of the Titans don't hide who they are. So a lot of people and Tim Drake is smart enough to know who Batman is. So, True. you know, it's just in this, in this universe, it's not like they're tr- like, they seem to be trying to hide anything. So I'm not sure. I don't know. And I wonder how integral Bruce will be to the plot after this whole episode. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to see him anymore. I think no, I, I think, think this, this was kind of it the... because he wasn't a really interesting character in this because he can't be. Yeah. Well, no, because it would overshadow Nightwing. Right. And, and DC has told them you can't use Batman in the outfit and you can't use the Joker. Right. And so you get rid of the two most interesting people in the Batman saga, but you have mm-hmm. to have Bruce in there and then he just becomes this skulky guy that's going to kill himself. Yeah. Until what's your name shows back up and you, and saves him, but he doesn't go back, get back to Gotham until the very end. Right. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. The, the whole, um, scarecrow part of it I thought was really well done from you know he his transformation and him showing how really insane he was yeah I just didn't like the actor yeah there was something about him like I liked I liked the character arc in it 
But at the end of the day, when I want to see Scarecrow, I want to see him with the hood on. Well, he finds the hood in the Batcave. And he's walking around with the with the respirator on at one point. Right. But like in one of Bruce Wayne's suits. And it's just like, mm. <laughs> I want more of the comic book version. If you're going to put Dick Grayson in the Nightwing outfit, then some of the, some of the, and maybe DC wouldn't allow them to. I don't know. But I don't know. It, it was always one of those things where I looked at him and I'm, I'm like, no, I don't really dig that dude as scarecrow yeah i mean i just thought the whole thing where he's um he's got the guy tied up and he starts very slowly removing organs and shit yeah and he and then he's got all the scars on his own face at the end of that yeah yeah and, and he's like i can be just as scary as the scarecrow right yeah And I have also got up through episode six of Doom Patrol. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> they, they just did not give a shit. No. They are, they are doing every bizarre thing they can think of. The, yes. I was glad the whole going to hell thing was only one episode <laughs> because it felt, and, and between Titans and this, it felt, they felt like they were trying to do something out of supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, even the way that it was, it was shot in, um, God, now I'm, now I'm confusing the two of them. Oh, the, 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 the bar with the bartender and the, yeah. Oh, you mean when they go on vacation? Yes. That one? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, no. Um, Back to Titans, where they meet Hawk. Oh, oh, in the afterlife. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say I'm very happy that the Titans left him dead. Only because yeah. it doesn't... It gives some stakes to what they do. Sure. You know, later on, they find a Lazarus pit, and they're able to bring back Dick, and that's fine, whatever. But leaving him dead is... I... I I appreciate that from the writers just because it gives gravity to everybody else that like, this is not like us just playing superheroes. Yeah. But, but we brought back Donna. Well, and they, and they, they retcon the whole, like, so Titans kills Donna with a, with a blast of lightning. Mm -hmm. The same month that they release a trailer for Wonder Woman 1984, where they show Wonder Woman lassoing from lightning bolt to lightning bolt in the sky. And so a lot of people are like, what the fuck? How how is DC so dishinged that like in right. this show it kills her? And in this show, somebody from Themyscira can like ride the lightning. And so right. they, and in this one, they were like, oh, well, just going to, we're going to wreck on that. And she's going to be able to like use the lightning to get around. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I'll give Themyscira a pass because of the ancientness of like the gods and, you know, Diana was right. supposedly made out of clay or whatever. I'll give them that. Um, but I, I don't know. I just appreciate the fact that, that they left him dead. To, to fight in the afterlife with his original partner or whatever. 
Hmm. But yeah, that whole yeah. thing where like they, they start out on a train. Yep. And you're like, wait, what is going on here? And then they get off the train, but then they're being chased. And Hank's driving around in a car, and it's like, huh, okay. Yeah, see, that's that whole thing felt like supernatural to me. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've kind of seen this before. And the, you know, when you get to, because at the end of Supernatural, they die, or at least Jensen Ackles' character dies, and he goes back. And, you know, he sees his father again, but then he gets put in his own little heaven, whatever, you know, the car was there and <laughs> like, mm, okay. Oh, is that how they, they ended it? Yeah. Oh. I mean, yes, yeah, the younger, the younger brother lives, but Jensen Ackles dies and goes to heaven. That's kind of like kind of like the doom patrol thing where like they get herded in and they are each having their own like experiences mm-hmm. but like you're not really sure what it all kind of means right they're all hanging on the meat hook yeah yeah but I mean it was it was interesting too because like that whole storyline kind of disappears from Titans pretty quickly when yeah definitely when Michelle Gomez shows up and you're like Okay, so now we're doing this whole thing about the sisterhood of the Dada. Right. And now we're in a completely different, like, you know. So is is six is six all the way caught up? Uh I don't know. His seventh aired yet? I, I don't know. Um because I'm trying to think of what episode it was. Did you see the episode where Michelle Gomez is trying to talk to the team at the big table and they kept like making fun of her? Is that where they decided to go to fix the time machine? Maybe. And that Rita, the actress kept saying, it's like, you're not the team leader. (laughs) Yeah. So, so there's that great line because Michelle Gomez, her claim to fame is being Missy in Doctor Who. And so um, there's this there's this scene where they're having this conversation and Crazy Jane looks at her and goes, yo, Doctor Who. Yeah. Who do you think you are? And it was just like, okay, that's that's brilliant. Yep. Uh, Episode seven was last week. Okay. But I love Michelle Gomez. Yeah, she's great. She's she's really good. <laughs> and um yeah, it's it's I'd say it's getting a little weird, but it's always been a little weird. It's always weird, yeah. When we saw Attack of the Giant Man-Eating Asses again. Yeah, when they were zombies. <laughs> right. Yes. Like you like apparently zombies they were like, and okay, can be cured. You know, I do you think the writers are just sitting there getting high going, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." Okay. So like 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 they're zombies and they were attacked by butts. I never was like, dude, I, I have never read any of the doom patrol comic books. I haven't either. So I'm wondering if they're as batshit crazy as the, the TV show is. Mm. And that like, they're just going with it and they're like, Hey, you know, we're just going to do all these weird ass comic book things. Yeah. Um, 
in live action and um you know just just have the just just have it play out and and just make it different from the titans oh it's different <laughs> <laughs> it's different um Yeah, the I the the Wikipedia page doesn't really talk about what kind of shows they are. But I mean, this is a show that starts with a voiceover in, in episode 1 of the bad guy going, "So you've tuned in for another hour of superhero television." Right. And this isn't it. Like so they're calling it out in the very beginning. But um yeah, there's no real stories about or or entries on like what they're about. I mean, they it looks like they're using a lot of the characters from the comic books if I'm if just scanning this over. So, like they've had Danny the Street. Yep. And um Flex Mentalo. Yep. And like people like that. So I'm assuming that these are like straight out of the comic books. So the Doom Patrol comic books must just be batshit crazy. Yeah. I could see that. I mean that the episode, I don't know I don't know if it was season one or two, where they're on Danny the Street and Flex Mentallo makes everybody orgasm. Yes. Is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a TV show. Well, the whole introduction of Michelle Gomez when she climbs out of the time machine <laughs> and she takes a piss in the middle of the street. Yeah. Yep. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very wild. It's very fun. It's like you know interesting to see where this is going to go with crazy jane and the the under people and um monkey girl right <laughs> because her thing kind of ended well her story kind of ends when chief dies yeah well definitely so yeah i was wondering see when she says you know, when at the end of the episode where she's kind of talking about how she's going to move on and stuff, I, I was half expecting her to say that, like, she was selling the house or something. Oh, and, like, kicks them out? And kicks everybody out. Yeah, I could I could see something like that. Yeah. But like now there's this all crazy stuff with like negative man doesn't have his negative force anymore. And like he's got like a big lump in the back of his neck. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they're driving well, down the road moving. and 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 robot man is like, you got a big zit on the back of your neck and they want him to, to go squish it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy shit. So, yeah. Yay, Doom Patrol. Yeah. They have the sex ghosts in the house. Right? Like, it's it's just totally And they bizarre. see them again during the, the, the seance? Yeah. 
and so those up uh, um those two like english boys that are uh-huh. dead that's a comic book in its own too oh is it yeah the dead detective series or something yeah the dead boys detectives or something like that so they're definitely like pulling in all the weird wacky shit and saying oh this will fit but and they just got a um, greenlit for another season so yay and so did titans That's good. Yeah. It's good. Brendan Fraser has work. Well, he just, he got cast in a Martin Scorsese film. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you've seen the, the, they, they did an interview with him where they like showed him the internet and all the, the support for him. And he like tears up. Oh, because he had no idea. And he was like, it's nice that people care. Right. Because for years he was, telling the story about how he was sexually abused and nobody would listen to him. Right. And now like the internet is all about like Brendan Fraser. So. Mm hmm. Poor guy. Hey, he did a Martha Stewart Halloween special. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, she dresses him up as a mummy. <laughs> when was this? Uh, it was years ago. Oh. Um, trying to remember. Oh, the other guy, Justin Long, was also on that that special. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of course, now she just gets stoned with Snoop. So. Well, did you see Snoop's new video where he's a Mandalorian? I, I've heard of it. I haven't actually watched it myself. There's actually two videos. Um, I guess they've created some kind of super group with with him and ice cube and okay. two other guys that I wouldn't know if I fell over them. Um, and they're dried, they're riding around the spaceship and, and they filmed, I guess there's a, there's that bar in LA that's supposed to look like the cantina. Yeah. So there's, there's a whole I, bunch scum of and villainy. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of shots in there. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's two different songs. Where he's, okay. I guess he's getting his mileage out of the the suit. So, uh, well, good for him. He's supposedly a huge Star Wars fan. So, is he? Yeah. He could be the first stoner Jedi. <laughs> I think he likes the idea of bounty hunting more. Yeah. No rules. <laughs> The only other thing I've been watching this week is, um, have you watched Succession on HBO? No. It's really good. It's it's this weird mixture of drama and comedy. Okay. And um, it's got Brian Cox in it, who has been in like everything. He was the original um, Hannibal Lecter in okay. Red Dragon, I think was the name of the movie, with William Peterson. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's been William Stryker in the X-Men movies and you'd know him if you've seen him. Okay. And he plays the head of this. He's like a Rupert Murdoch type. Um, he, he runs this company that's that has news stations and theme parks and cruise ships. And like, it's a cross between like Rupert Murdoch and Walt Disney. And okay. um, 
it's the he's got this wacky family and and one of them is like um macaulay culkin's brother isn't it yeah kieran culkin kieran culkin and like he's pretty funny like it's it's really well done it's one of those like i have trouble after i finish a series of getting into another series because if i really enjoyed it i have trouble like focusing because i'm expecting i'm expecting the new show to be as good as the one that i just finished and i went from um oh what was what, what did i watch um i went from squid game to midnight mass to succession oh so you've watched midnight mass yes that's next that's next on my list okay um and i blew through both seasons of succession they just came back for a third season in like two days that's how into it i was so really okay yeah and a lot of it is you know they they kind of say it's like modern shakespeare but they use the word fuck a lot. <laughs> okay. And so like Brian Cox's like answer to most of the things is like fuck off. Okay. Um, but it's a really interesting look into like corporate world and how like people backstab each other and mm. you know, that kind of shit. And it's got Cameron from Ferris Bueller in it. Oh, it does. Alan Ruck. Yeah. He plays oh. the oldest son. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Midnight Mass is the next thing I'm going to watch, I think. Okay. Because that's a short season, isn't it? Isn't it only like six or seven episodes? It's six or seven hour episodes, um, and there won't be a second season, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's a limited series, and it's in every every conceivable way is it just a limited series. So. Well, it's good. You know, and if there's there's another story to tell or, you know, there's enough support in it, then, you know, it can always come back again. I, think, I guess. I, I know. I, well, I think you'll end up doing what I did was once it's over, you start looking at the other stuff that the, at, that the director did. OK. And start watching some of his other work because he's really good at what he does. Hmm. Okay. So. Well, maybe next week we'll talk about it. Yeah, maybe. That'll be fun. You got you got anything else for this week? Uh, no. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week whole new direction. <laughs>